Hello and welcome to July's edition of The Lead Out, Cycling Weekly's monthly racing show. And it's our big Tour de France preview. My name is Paul Knott and I'm joined once again by Yanto Barker, founder of Lacole and former pro rider. But before we get into our big tour preview, let's take a look back at the previous month's headlines. Chris Froome will miss the Tour de France after suffering multiple injuries in a time trial recon crash at the Criterium du Dauphiné. Tom Dumoulin will also miss the Tour after failing to recover from a knee injury he sustained at the Giro d'Italia. Jakob Fuglsang won the Critium du Dauphiné, confirming his status as one of the favourites for the Tour. Egan Bernal took top honours at the Tour de Suisse, but Team Ineos counterpart Garen Thomas crashed out on Stage 4. And Lizzie Dignan took her first victory since returning to the sport after giving birth with a stage and overall victory at the Women's Tour. The time has come, the Tour has finally arrived. The build-up races are pretty much done. But first, before we get into our big tour preview, I'm just gonna break down a few key stats from this year's race. So, 21 stages, 3,460 kilometers with a grand depart starting in Brussels, and the race stays in Belgium for the first two days. We have one individual time trial and one team time trial, both of which are around 27 kilometers. And there's also bonus seconds on offer of 10, 6, and 4 for every um, mass start finish. And there was also bonus seconds this year on certain climbs, which we'll go into later on in this, in this preview. And we have five summit finishes across the Vosges, the Pyrenees, and the Alps for the traditional sprint finish on the Champs-Élysées in Paris. Without further ado, the first uh, stage we're going to look at, we're not going to go into every single stage in depth just because, well, we don't have all the time in the world either. And also we just want to kick, uh, pick out the key stages. First one, stage one, Brussels to Brussels, flat, yeah. 194k. I was looking at the description thinking that is going to be carnage. Mm. Uh, you've got Belgium, lots of road furniture. You've got the pressure of stage one of the tour and everyone just fighting for position standard. Yeah. Then you've got not really any significant climbs to break it up. And if there are, then there's a huge fight to get into the bottom of them. Yeah. So again, that just adds to the pressure. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys just really nervous trying to stay upright and out of you know any danger. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting one. No, definitely. So the tour, the tour, the stage one itself uh, rolls out of Brussels down towards Tour of Flanders country. Uh, and it crests the, I mean, it's named the Mer, the Mer de Grammont. It's actually the Mer van Gaalsbergen if you uh, follow Flanders' uh, history. It's just that it's been uh, translated into that for, for the tour. And then it goes up to Bodsberg as well, which is the old one-two finish of the Tour of Flanders in the past. But they, they kind of want to avoid that making too much of a feature of the stage. They just want it to be a, a sprint stage. They want to be as predictable as possible and everyone to arrive across the line safely. That's the idea. Yeah. The next day, another big stage, team time trial. Also in Brussels, around Brussels, 27.6 kilometers. Slightly shorter than last year's one, which also came early in the race on stage three. So last year, um, just picked out three key teams which lost time. Uh, so UAE Team Emirates, AG2R and Groupama FDJ all lost around a minute and a half, a minute to um, Sky, as they were known back then. BMC, obviously they don't exist anymore, but they're gonna, this is yeah, slightly shorter, but you could lose a minute, mm, easy. Yeah. And technology as well, you know bikes, kit, helmets, practice, yeah. 
how tight the, the group is. You know, they're all pros, but still, it's a very specialist activity, team time trial. And you can improve 15, 20 seconds over a 27K course just by really nailing the, t the splits and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So moving on to the first summit finish of the race, stage six from Mulhouse to Planche de Belfi. And we've got a bit of a bit of a twist this year. We've used Planche de Belfi um, quite a few in the last decade has been one of the most popular climbs in the tour but this year they've added a little twist at the end with a gravel section and um yeah after the initial finish they have a gravel section of about one kilometer and then the final fin like final kick up to line is 24 percent which i mean you may well remember the old finish line which they're just appearing over the crest that was 20 so this is 24 and gravel yeah, and yeah gravel as well um so yeah it's you were saying one bike length will be a time gap. Yeah, basically. Gonna it's going to shake a lot of riders up because, especially if they haven't wrecked it, because in the Vosges region, it's, a, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, you don't go there for altitude training because it's not high enough. You kind of, you only race it, really, like, unless you're Thibaut Pino and live there. Definitely the kind of stage that would suit him. Not super high mountain, very punchy, and he does know the climb very, very well. You know, he could probably train out there. Um, whenever he wants kind of thing so that will make a difference and if it's specialist onto that one climb you just know that 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 little steep bit is going to flatten off a tiny bit so actually you can just hold on for 20 more seconds and then you know you can get to the next stage and you break the climb down into steps like that for yourself whereas when you are taking it on for the first time or you haven't done it for years actually it can be a lot harder to understand just how to approach each part of the climb because it does obviously yeah have a sort of personality and characteristic of how to approach it to get up there the fastest. Moving on to our next key stages. Um, there's a few flat stages in between. So it's, this is stage 13, the individual time trial from Po to Po. And it's the only individual time trial of the race. And judging that Tom Dumoulin, Chris Froome, Primoz Roglic aren't going to be riding, this is probably a huge day for Geraint Thomas, if you guess there, because he is probably the best time trialist out of the GC contenders in this year's race now. And, to make up time, what well, make up time, gain time, this yeah. is where he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be an exciting time and it's not too late in, in the race. So some of the uh, specialist time trialists will also be really, really keen yeah. to, you know, try and go for a stage win. And, you know, there aren't huge opportunities. Like you said, this is the only individual time trial. So, yeah, there'll be a few guys there going for glory. And then hopefully the GC contenders will also be very much on it. No, exactly. <laughs> but the following day is one of the key stages in the entire race, a summer finish up the Col de Tourmalet, which we haven't seen since 2011, when Andy Schleck and Alberto Constor were duking it out in the fog. Um, but yeah, it's only 117K as well, which adds, throws another spanner in there. I've said this before on short stages, you get an exciting first start, first part, you get a slightly boring middle part, and then you get an exciting second part. Well, 117Ks just cuts out the middle part. Yeah, it's exciting at the beginning and then it's exciting at the end. <laughs> so I think it's good. Yeah. There's a couple of short stages in this year's tour, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And I don't think they're any less exciting or any less respected by the riders. So you look at that profile, no riders going, ah, oh, it's all right. You know, the Gruppetto's actually worried because these stages actually cause more of an issue because their buffer is built up in the middle stage when everyone's kind of going steady. Yeah. Um, and then you know the percentages of gaps they've got to work with to come into the time limit is is a lot bigger. But here everybody's going to have to be on it. And we saw it a couple of years ago when Demar was getting dropped on the first climb and yeah. he really struggled. I think he got eliminated that day. 
because they just went out 100% full gas yeah. and then there's no let up and they keep going all the way to the finish and some guys who just aren't quite there or feeling it or a little bit tired yeah. or whatever. With it being the day after the time trial, riders are going to know where they stand on the GC before the climbs and basically I'm thinking Nairo Quintana because yeah. he probably would have lost time in the team time trial, probably would have lost time in the time trial if he um, hasn't had any other mechanicals or issues on the way. This is a stage where he will target to get time back. Yeah. The next big stage sees us going into the Alps on stage 18 from Embrun to Valois, which hits some of the biggest and iconic Tour de France climbs in the, the race's history. So there was a lot yeah. of talk about um, this tour being the highest tour for a long yeah. time. And you just look at this stage with 2,000 meters, 2,300 meters, 2,600 meters, mm -hmm. and that's not even the highest 2,600 meters of this year's tour. Yeah. It, it's significantly high. It's a different world up there above 2,000 meters. And these guys in, you know, not just this stage, but the other stages, they spend a lot of time up there. Um, it really starts to tear, you know, break the body down and fatigue just gets intensified. You're already on stage 18 or whatever. And, you know, it's just going to really open the cracks. And I think that's a good, well-designed tour, actually. We've seen it in the Giro, how if you back end uh, the exciting stages, you do get a few hiccups and changes and stuff, which is obviously great from a spectator point of view. And I think the tour's kind of taken a little bit of the book of the Giro and gone yeah. down that sort of track. So yeah, we'll go to the next stage as well and also see that it happens again. Yeah, and exactly. lots of altitude and lots of climbing. So potentially some, some uh, shake up of the no, GC. Definitely. And one thing that may shake up the GC even more is this year on certain stages and certain climbs, they've got bonus seconds at the top. And there's actually bonus seconds at the top of the Col de Galibia, which is kind of, I feel like they're trying to lure someone out to attack, get the seconds, and then just carry on down the other side to try and win the stage, just try and animate the race a bit more. And I mean, if it is still all tied to play for, those bonus seconds just could be crucial in themselves. As they well. haven't specified the bonus seconds exactly yet, no. have they? Which I think is interesting in itself. It's quite a, I can't remember the last time they did that. In fact, I can't remember the time they did that. Maybe on summit finishes in the, in other races, they've yeah. had bonus seconds, but not midway through the stage. So that is quite a new Yeah, when they've been at the top of the climb as well, it's kind of it's literally trying to get people like, come on. Mm. They're worth going attack. for, absolutely. Yeah. You know, a couple of seconds here, a couple of seconds there. We've seen podium won and lost by seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this year's Giro. <laughs> in my head, I've got a picture of uh, the polka dot jersey going away for the mountain points yeah. and then yeah. staying away to the finish. Um, that's a you know perfect sort of yeah. scenario, sort of stage. It's not mountaintop finish, so you're not going to get the same sort of battle. And people who are strong but not quite top five GC will be looking at a stage like today to just go and you know make a bit of a difference, either move up the GC or get some mountain points for that mountain competition. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Then the next day, Saint Jean de Maurienne to Tin, which is 126 and a half kilometres long, another short stage, but it's the highest point of the tour this year, 2,770 metres up the Col de Isaron. So. As you mentioned, the theme for this... Yeah, uh, 60k is above 1,700 metres on this stage, and it's only 126 kilometres long. So you basically get to altitude... Yeah, stay, stay there. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, no, it's stage 19. It's, it's so hard up there, and the, the, I've done the cold is around a few times. It is a monster. It's huge. You know, you go up to sort of 1,700 metres, and then you've just got another 1,000 metres of climbing, which in terms of altitude gain, that's, you know... That's, that's a big climb. And the following day, the final of this three-day three, three day hellish route in the Alps um, is the road to Val Touraine, which is 130 kilometres long, the final stage before Paris, and basically it's now or never yeah. for the peloton. And it's an absolute 
drag of a climb up to the end. 33.4 kilometers. Yeah. Yeah, because it goes uphill straight away, literally. Like, there's not... It starts at 500 meters, and then even by the sprint, which is after 11K, that's uh, up to... They've already gained 150 meters in, in altitude, and then they actually get onto the climb itself. So, yeah, it's going to be... I mean, this is what the race owners are hoping for, that it's still all to play for at this point, and it all comes down to that final climb. But, yeah, 33 kilometers long. That is, yeah. I mean, obviously Again, it's not um, all up, but it's down, no. but that, that just skews the average grading. It says 5.5%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 6% is serious. Below 5%, you start to get a lot of benefit on the wheel. Yeah. So actually the group stays together a bit more, 7 8%, and it's really, really tough. Yeah, no, exactly. And then the final stage is into Paris, which is always a bit of a procession festival. You're kind of riding slower than a training ride and drinking champagne and just posing for photos. Once again, hopefully finish the tour in style. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the big news of this month, Chris Froome will not be riding the tour. And then that was added with Tom Dumoulin. All right, so two podium contenders won't be riding the tour. And yeah, I feel I like have to mention them before we get into our contenders, because that is two huge names that aren't Absolutely. even going to be lining up. You look at the last sort of five grand tours and how much how many of the podiums in those five Grand Tours yeah. consecutively have been occupied by those two riders? Suddenly, there's a big, big space. It's a great opportunity for the next generation or the next young contender to come up and show their form. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And also, this morning, we, before we came into film, we heard Fernando Gaviria also not lining up either, which, obviously, different end of the spectrum in terms of, but just as big impact, as Absolutely. I mentioned, took the yellow jersey on stage one last year. And a very, very strong sprinter who regularly likes the first week of a Grand Tour. He's very, you know, yeah. he's a strong sprinter in a fresh scenario. Mm -hmm. And um, he will definitely have created a space as well, you know, yeah. for young sprinters. Who's going to be next? I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a bit more, there's a bit more opportunity there. Yes, definitely, definitely. But Let's not talk about who is uh, not going to be there and who is going to be there. And let's start off with last year's winner, Garen Thomas. He had a bit of a hiccup. It looked like Team Ineos's race was falling apart day by day. But um, yeah, because he crashed at the Tour de Suisse, had a bit of a mishap, was, seemed to be okay, had a bit of a cut above his eye, but, and is now back on the bike training. But not ideal. He's saying not ideal. It's a funny one. A little bit of extra rest a little bit of extra freshness can sometimes yeah. have a positive effect. It's not intentional and obviously no rise want to fall off, but I would definitely not count Garrett Thomas out in any way whatsoever. I think he's obviously got good condition and if he can stay outright in this year's tour and, and work his way into it, because you can see it's back-ended, yeah. um, if he's a starting a little bit fresher, that actually could you know, yeah, Could we favor. see him maybe undercooked at the, that first summer finish up Planche Belfi, maybe him not yeah. shine on that stage but build into the race exactly then... there's plenty to go at in the last yeah. four or five stages yeah so he has actually been assigned team leader but there's a, <laughs> there's a, just a little problem on their team Egan Bernal <laughs> has um, kind of forced his way in as not really a plan B but probably yeah. arguably Eagle race favourite yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah he won the Tour de Swiss but also nearly came a cropper on a time trial yeah. but it looked so so good I'm so impressed by him genuinely yeah. he is a complete weapon on the bike. Like, such a good climber. He's also seems and comes across as a very relaxed character. He's not scared. He's brave. He's got talent in bags and bags and bags loads. And yeah. you know, I'm not. I don't just mean climbing a talent. He's got bike handling skills. We saw in his time trial. <laughs> Definitely. And then one other key favorite, which kind of does go under. He goes under the radar. Jakob Fulksang. He won, even though his results this year have been incredible. So he's won the Dauphiné, which is always 
a prime tester for the tour. I mean, the amount of times that people win the Dauphiné, go on to win the tour. He's won Liège, Bastogne-Liège, and has literally been in the top 10 of every race he's done this year. Yeah. But I think because he rides for Astana, they're obviously not the most popular team. And like, obviously he's Danish, it's not like, we'd obviously over here in the UK, we're not gonna be focusing in on him that much. But if you just look at pure results, why isn't he more of a favorite in a way? Because yeah. he's just been incredible. It's true, he definitely stepped up a level this year, clear to see and been so, so strong in those classic early, se early seasons classics, uh, plus obviously winning the Dauphiné. Um, I'll be interested to see how he finishes the final four or five stages yeah. and the time trial is obviously not his strongest, strongest point, but he's got good enough form to hold his own, maybe not taking time, but not losing too much. And then moving on to the French hopes for this year, once again, they're still looking for that elusive Tour de France win this, I don't even know how many years it's been now, it's been quite a few, but so Thibaut Pinot and Roman Bardet, both had decent build-ups. Pinot looked stronger than Dauphiné, and as I mentioned, it's him, the race is going to the Vosges, which if he can make a good start, yep. like on home roads. I agree. Um, we saw him a couple of years ago losing time on the pavé section of the tour yeah. in the first week and he really cracked him and he, he was actually having a tantrum on the road, which yeah. is a little bit unprofessional, shows a little, slight lack of maturity, but hopefully a couple more years on and he's got a bit better. But I agree, for him to start strong, I think will build his confidence and yeah. he will then uh, ride progressively better through the week. Whereas if he's kind of on the back foot, he doesn't necessarily have the strength of character to stay disciplined and focused on his objective. Yeah, and then moving on to the other key contenders. I mean, because Dumoulin and Froome aren't riding, it's kind of opened it up and you kind of got to name all these people because you just don't know how it's going to unfold with yeah. the policy, especially with Ineos. You say outsiders, yeah. I think that's it, not, not to put your list down. My notes, uh, yeah. That's slightly, yeah. slightly unfair <laughs> because Kreuzwick, you know, is yeah. an absolute engine. If he's on, again, he's not been climbing quite as well. I've just noticed him coming out the back slightly sooner than I've expected. Yeah. Um, Quintana, but he is definitely going well. Adam Yates, definitely, absolutely. Dan Martin will definitely be there. You know, those guys, yeah. they are all going to be in a front group of 10, 12 guys. Yeah. So depending on exactly which stage and exactly how they're going, we're going to see some exciting racing from every single one of those. Yeah, and those four riders, they're all in the Dauphiné, all were either in the top 10 or Kreuzweig and Yates, they were both in the top 10 and pulled out on the final stage ill, but they were obviously showing that yeah. they're ready to go. I think that's a, that's a big, brave step yeah. to take. You know, it's, it's not all about the Dauphiné. They want to think about this, the tour coming up. You know, you've got to take a strong decision if you want to make sure. If you are going to come down with something, you give it time to come out, get past it, and then freshen up and start, you know, on form 10 out of 10. So moving on to the sprinters and the contenders for the green jersey, uh, starting off with the Italian rider Elio Viviani. He's uh, been in very good form recently, two wins at the Tour de Suisse after a disappointing Giro. Um, came home early, I mean, understandably, because the second half of the race was horrendous for sprinters, but he's just building in once again. He didn't have a very good year. He got disqualified for the one stage he crossed the line first yeah. on. Um, so he hopefully he doesn't have to go too far to make no. a better a better tour of the Giro. No, of course, of course. And then the next name to look out for, Dylan Groenewegen. He's been so consistent all year. Like He's had two wins recently at the ZLM Tour, but he's picked up a stage win in every single race he's done, just chipping away. Again, again a win, again a win, again a win. Again, having raced with Dylan Groenewegen, for quite a few years. Um, he is one of my favorite sprinters. He's an exciting rider. He is so unbelievably fast when he's on yeah. it. And I do think he will come out with a stage win probably more than most of the sprinters in the list. Another out and out sprinter, Caleb Ewan. First appearance at the Tour after being excluded last year from um, Michigan's Scott's lineup. He's now with Lotto Soudal and he'd be looking to add to his two stage wins at the Giro. Yeah, 
Um, I feel like he's settled into the team. You know, he had a bit of a point to prove as well early season, and he was clearly very keen to do that because he came off last year a little bit low and not quite firing, and then definitely come in and, uh, yeah, like you say, won a couple of stages at the Giro. He'll want to do again the same here mm. at the Tour, and I think he's totally capable of it, and his team will be fully behind him to, or in front of him in the lead out to yeah. give him the best chance possible. Yeah, and then we can't, obviously, probably the most obvious out of the lot is Peter Sagan. He's won the green jersey every year. He's finished the race, uh, pretty much. Um, no classicals this year, and only three all season, but are you going to bet against him no. winning the green? I mean, <laughs> the green's all about consistency. Yeah. And it's also about dominance. You know, yeah. even the intermediate sprints, he's dominating the lead out. He's dominating the approach. He's kind of putting everyone uh, in their place yeah. before he's even started. And that's a big part of the, the green jersey. So he's very, very experienced at winning the green jersey. How many stages will he win? That's another conversation. He is not to win stages to win the green. He no, did it. Exactly. He's done it before. That's why I was trying to separate yeah. out between the green jersey and stage wins. He's yeah. totally capable of winning a green jersey. But then one, there's, I've, my only notes here, Mark Cavendish, dot, 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 because still, we don't know. Do that, yeah, yeah, Because exactly. of that, exactly. I don't know what to really say. Is he he, going he to is a bike racer. He is a bike racer. What I mean by that is when he turns up on the start line, autopilot is going to kick in yeah. and he is going to be hungry. He's going to be determined. He's going to want to prove all of everybody who's questioned him wrong over the last, you know, mm. however long. Um, and absolutely cannot count him out, in my view. Interesting to see. And then I've listed three riders here. Wout van Aert, Julian Alaphilippe, Vincenzo Nibali, they're basically wild cards because you could see any one of them winning individual stages. We've seen van Aert and the, Do um, the Dauphiné winning yeah. two stages, Alaphilippe won the KOM jersey. Nibali said he wants to win the KOM jersey this year, but I would not trust him until he's 30 minutes out of the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And he's going to have a real strong fight with Alaphilippe because you know, he's yeah. also going well and I think he took the... Uh, the KOM jersey at um, Dauphiné. Dauphiné, yeah, he did, yes. Did, yeah. um, but Wout van Aert, I mean, what a rider. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're a young kid, you dream about being as talented as Wout yeah. van Aert. I mean, so strong and so versatile with taking you know, time trials and mm. bunch sprints. It's ridiculous. But uh, I'm almost guaranteed to see a stage win from him. Like, yeah. I can't fail to do something when you've got a repertoire, when you've got an engine like that, it can be so versatile. Someone, someone's going to, you know, get beaten. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, be good. Finishing off with our predictions, putting our names on the line. I don't even want to um, rekindle who I predicted last year, but it was uh, <coughs> Nari Quintana to, uh, to win, but I won't be going for him this year. But Yanzo, who are you going to go for to take the yellow jersey? I've got a slightly controversial one. I think Bernal. Mm is strong enough and good enough and reliable enough to work through a whole three-week Grand Tour. And he's missed his Giro, which he was originally supposed to be targeting. So, yeah, it's whether um, how much time he loses or doesn't lose in the time trial to Garrett Thomas, probably. Yeah. What about anyone else? Any other tips for the rest of the race? Yeah, or? I think uh, Dan Martin actually probably has one of the best chances of a podium. Yeah. And I'll be really pleased to see him do that. He's been talented and always climbing in the front group, very consistent. And then Adam Yates as well, I think, taking a strong decision to pull out the Dauphiné stage before the finish. Um, we'll be really on form to get a good result in yeah. the Tour as well. Definitely, definitely. I'm going to go a bit more of a... <laughs> I'm putting my neck on the line again. I'm going to go for Jakob Fulkstein just because of his form this year has just been so good. And I just think that if he was going to... to perform really well on a Grand Tour, this is it, this is now, like he's got the form leading into it and have the whole support of his team and I think it would just be down to, if he can, 
I think as well, going under the radar will help. So I think that may help him. But I mean, he could easily just disappear off and finish 10th. Easily no, enough. No, no, Easily no. enough. He's not finished but outside the top 10 in any race he's until, taken part in this I year. I have just predicted him, so I have given him <laughs> the kiss, kiss of, of death. death. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, sorry, Jacob. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope I haven't done that. But we did ask our Cycling Weekly Twitter followers who they thought was going to win. And over 3,000 votes, which is one of our biggest of recent memory. And Gary Thomas got 37%. Egan Bernal got 39 my boy Jakob Fuglsang got 11%. And then we also listed other, just to give people uh, the Bardet, choice. Bardet, Pinot. And they got 13%. So the, collectively, they, uh, yeah, we had Bardet, we had Pinot. There was even a vote for Boris Johnson, which was uh, kind of Let's not haunting. bring politics into it. <laughs> it was pretty haunting, to say the least. But yeah, I mean, people are agreeing with you and think Egan Bernal is going to uh, take yellow when it matters. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for your, your insight and predictions. And hopefully... Uh, People don't mortgage their house on our predictions and come <laughs> yeah. after us on uh, social media. But yeah, and we hope you enjoy the racing as well. Do let us know who you think is going to win the tour in the comments section below. But until next time, enjoy the tour and we'll see you then.